Welcome to Made It Happen podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Hafling. Made It Happen is a podcast series highlighting female founders who took a chance and launched their own business. Through interviews with female entrepreneurs, Made It Happen is dedicated to inspiring others through stories of those who've experienced going out on their own firsthand, discussing all the highs and the lows. It can be easy to see the glamorous side of starting your own business through the internet and social media, but what does it really take behind the scenes to launch and run your own successful business? Listen in for tangible tips and advice for growing your business from those who have been there. Hear how these inspiring female founders made it happen. Today's podcast is sponsored by WeTech Alliance as part of the Canada-US Power Panel Program, supported by the US Consuls General in Canada's Building Back Better Program, aimed at strengthening support for women entrepreneurs during COVID-19. For more information on WeTech Alliance, visit www.wetech-alliance.com. That's wetechalliance.com. Today's episode, sponsored by WeTech Alliance, is featuring Veg Cheese, a line of artisanal vegan cheeses, 100% dairy-free, nut-free, and gluten-free. Their cheeses are handcrafted in Ontario, Canada, with a base of organic soy milk and organic coconut oil. Their founder, Lori, first started experimenting with faux cheese recipes after a family health scare, which led her to reconsider what she was eating. What started as a personal quest to find a nutritious but delicious replacement for cheese eventually evolved into a side hustle. And in 2018, Veg Cheese became Lori's full-time enterprise. So today I'm joined by Lori from Veg Cheese. Lori, thank you so much for joining me here today. Thanks so much for having me, Sarah. I really appreciate it. Of course. Well, I'm excited to be speaking with you. So to start things off, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? For sure. Yes. Uh, Prior to launching a plant-based cheese business, I was a digital marketer for 15 plus years, uh, working for a number of different corporations in retail, uh, like Staples, um, Shoppers Drug Mart, worked at Mazda and Automotive. So I jumped around different industries and then uh, landed a role in Big Pharma, worked uh, at GlaxoSmithKline, GSK. And my latest uh, full-time job was for Johnson Johnson's pharmaceutical division, Janssen. So I've been in digital marketing for for, uh, most of, if not all of my career pre-entrepreneurial life. And uh, that, that's really my background. My, my undergrads in business, I have an MBA in business as well uh, in marketing. And uh, it was, uh, it, my journey was never meant uh, for an entrepreneurial journey. I was climbing up the corporate ranks and, uh, you know, growing in, in, my, in, in different roles. And this really, this opportunity, this business came at me out of nowhere. And, uh, yeah, it's very different from the corporate world, but I couldn't be more grateful, that's for sure. Yes, absolutely. And do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got into the entrepreneurial space, sort of what prompted the start of your business? Absolutely. I, I've always had a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit. My father was an entrepreneur. Uh, he had a record shop in, in Lebanon. 
my grandfather was an entrepreneurial entrepreneur in Lebanon as well. He had a, a plastic factory, so it really runs in my family to um, to really build businesses out of nothing. And I knew I always knew that I wanted to do something. I wanted to do something with my family, but I never really knew what it was. And I didn't want to force myself to come up with an idea that wasn't aligned to myself and my own journey. And I wanted it to be a product or service that I personally and my family needed. So um, I I promised myself that I wouldn't force an idea until it came naturally. And uh, this is the, the the business veg cheese is a, is is a, the result of a natural need. So, uh, back in 2016, my my father had a uh, stroke. Um, like all stroke victims, patients, it really came out of nowhere. And we, as a family, decided to evaluate our foods, uh, what we were eating on a regular basis. Our diets were quite Mediterranean, but very heavy in, in meat and dairy, also. So we decided to cut dairy and meat from our diets and to see, you know, how we felt, how our father felt, and he was on his journey to recovery. So we wanted to support him. And as a whole, as um, a family, we decided to to go about this together. Um, the meat uh, cutting that was not a big issue for us. There were a lot of great alternatives uh, that we were able to, you know, work with. We're all pretty handy in the kitchen, but cheese was something that we just could not finds that really held great on a cheese board because we love entertaining too and um, melted really nicely in dishes so that was very difficult there's so many beautiful um, plant-based cheeses in the market but nothing really hit home for us enough that we would cut dairy from our lives Um, so a lot of them felt more hummusy spread like and we eat a lot of hummus at home so we wanted something that tasted like cheese so I went in the kitchen in my small condo kitchen and started experimenting um I've taken some courses with my dad at George Brown Culinary so we we like to cook we like to experiment but I took this project on on my own and uh really um researched and looked at different uh, ways of making cheese and added things changed things used different processes and I'm going to fast forward the trial and error because um, there were, you know, hundreds of failed, like small, small batches. And I became quite obsessive with it. I would go into my corporate job and then I would come home and make sure that the cheese was okay, that it set properly and, and get disappointed and do it all over again. And it was quite interesting, but I really wanted to nail this recipe. And it really, truly was not to sell this product. Um, it was really for us to find an alternative that we would enjoy. And after many, many trials uh, and errors, uh, they finally came up with a mozzarella recipe, which is the exact same recipe scaled up, um, of course, uh, uh, that we currently sell. And brought it to my family, brought it to my friends, brought it to colleagues, and people were raving about it. They were loving it. I had people wanted to, to buy it from me. And I, I was, I was thinking, what, what am I going to sell? How are we going to sell this? It's not, you know, it's not a business. I have a full-time highly demanding job. And then we sat as a family and we had a conversation because the product was so great. And at that point I'd created different flavors, garlic and chive and other flavors that we don't currently have. And, um, we decided to, as a family, um, take a stab at this and, and, uh, and, and try to build a business. So 
None of us have a food background. I definitely don't. Like I mentioned, I'm a marketer. Um, How do you start a food business? And, you know, I was very, very naive. And I'm so grateful that I was naive because if I knew what it took, I probably would have um, reconsidered not to discourage anyone wanting to start a food business. It's highly rewarding and it's amazing. But I really tried to find information on my own. And, you know, I didn't have a um, founder community that I have now that I can, you know, call up and, you know, ask them about certain things. Like I didn't know anyone in the space. All my friends were working in in corporate and um, I did a lot of research. Not a lot of research is available as well, uh, readily available. It was all piecemeal. So I, uh, as a, as a marketer, I, I, branding was important. My brother came up with a, a brand name, Veg Cheese. At first, we all laughed. And then we, we were like, you know, this could be really catchy. So I quickly researched, is the URL taken? I bought it. Is the Instagram taken? I bought it. I, I you know, and not bought it or registered for it. So I made sure all the domains and handles were ours. Uh, and then started working on the branding and what it would look like and and signed up to uh, got our food handler certificate because that was necessary and then signed up for a veg fest in Mississauga um, this was more than three years ago almost four years ago and um, I knew that I would have you know a few months to build the packaging find a commercial kitchen get all my ingredients get all those details sorted and I decided to bring a minimum viable product to the market so that was my testing ground it was a veg fest all the plant-based, veg-curious, vegan um, consumers would be there, uh, local, to get their feedback. And this, these were, this was pre-pandemic, so we could you know, uh, easily sample products and uh, see reactions. So fast forward to VegFest, had a booth, had the products there, and uh, sampling. And I, we just saw the reaction of people um, trying our, our, our cheeses. They were loving it. And... Um, we sold, uh, that day we sold over 300 cheeses and, um, we basically sold out and came home and thought to myself, okay, this is a business. I need to do something about it. It's such a disservice to my consumers, to the planet, to animals, all the reasons on our, our health, everyone's health to keep this to ourselves and not bring it to market in, 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 in the way that it should. So that's really how it all began. And that was about three and a half or so uh, years ago. And uh, it's been quite the journey. Wow, that's that's incredible. And I, I love hearing those stories. You know, what started out as an idea started in the kitchen and then now it's a huge business. And so can you tell us a little bit about the growth, you know, over these past three years since that first market and, you know, sort of the evolution of the business? Absolutely. So um, it's been it, it's been quite interesting because our growth has happened during a pandemic um, that that was definitely unexpected and it's something that we couldn't have ever uh, accounted for. So um, I'm grateful that the business launched pre-pandemic because we did do a lot of shows. We did uh, two summers worth of shows where we could sample and people were getting you know accustomed to our uh, product. We started getting into retail stores. Um, so we, we had to move commercial kitchens and that's the biggest challenge being a food entrepreneur, finding the right space that's going to support your growth. We started in a, uh, shared, uh, facility in the junction that no longer in Toronto, 
that no longer served our purpose. Uh, then we moved into a shared, a large shared commercial kitchen in, in North York. And it was wonderful. But then COVID happened and it's a shared kitchen. There's all these uh, folks coming in. And, you know, my father being high risk, I wanted to make sure that we were safe. So we were at that kitchen for about uh, two years, but then decided to find our own space. And then we moved to another, during COVID, we moved to another kitchen um, where uh, was no longer really um, being used because of COVID. Uh, so we took that on that space, but it was great for the time being, but I uh, realized that I needed to make a, a very big decision where um, I needed equipment, like everything was being hand stirred, everything was being hand packaged. And at that point, we were in a number of retail stores, we were getting into food service and, and restaurants. Uh, I launched e-commerce e during uh, at the start of the pandemic, and that business was growing. So our business did see growth during the pandemic, uh, which I'm incredibly grateful for. Uh, but it did come with a fair share of challenges where we couldn't find the right space for us. And um, I had to. I had a decision to make. Uh, do I a go to a co-packer or a co-manufacturer that can make our products? Um, that was unfortunately not an option because of our process and how we make our products. It's not a matter of you know just bringing, putting ingredients together and mixing it. And you know it's a product that needs to be packaged. Like most products or a lot of products on the shelves, um, it's it's very finicky process where. You do one little thing wrong, the temperature is off, like everything uh, goes to waste. And we are very diligent in how we produce the product and the quality of the product. And I just could not let go of that control too um, of, of the, the um, quality of what it is that we were making. So um, look for a co-packer. It's not that I didn't. I just couldn't find the right fit. And um, so that option was off the table. The, the second option was to rent out a commercial space, a kitchen um, and bring my equipment in there. But I couldn't, for six months I searched, I couldn't find a larger space that would be able to bring in my equipment. There, there just was not, there wasn't anything on the market at the time. Um, the third option was uh, to find a place and build a commercial kitchen and that, that was going to be costly, and I didn't know how I was going to do it. Yes, there's sales, but it's self. I'm self-funded, by the way. Uh, there's no investors, um, and I'll be honest, I don't come from wealth, so it's not like you know I can I can go to family and and get get that kind of support. It really was my life savings that went into this business. So that was the uh, the third option, and the fourth option was okay, guys, this is fun. <laughs> Let me go back to, you know, my corporate job and this, you know, call it quits. I knew that was not an option, but I had to evaluate all, all the different um, avenues that we were going to take as a business, as a family. And the really only option remaining was to find a space, build a commercial kitchen, get the right equipment because we believe so much in the business and what it is that we're doing. Um, and that's what happened um, last April. We got our place, our, our industrial unit. And uh, for a few months, I acted as uh, uh, president, founder, CEO, and project um, construction manager for, <laughs> for the new space. So I was uh, juggling a number of different things at the same time while the place was being you know, built. And there's so many things to consider. It, it was really blank canvas, but a lot of, a lot of work. And uh, by the end of last year, the space was ready. We moved in all of our equipment, our 
thermoformer sealing machine, which is really our saving grace. It, it seals things at an exponentially faster rate than anything that we had seen in the past with our business. And we got mixers, we got a walk-in fridge, we have everything we need. We have office space here. So yeah, it's, it's now we're at a stage where we are set up for success, set up for growth. And and I can confidently build my business knowing that we have a we have the space to support it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and I think that, you know, a lot of people I'm sure in the food, in the food business can relate to sort of a lot of those challenges. And you mentioned there too, now you're set up for success and your business has already seen a lot of success over the past four years. And is there, I know there's a lot of things that go into it, but is there sort of one thing you could pinpoint that you think really leads to, you know, the success of your business? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's all in the entrepreneur's attitude. Um, there are, gosh, there's so many bad days. <laughs> um, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's 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 a roller coaster. I, you will have the highest high and the lowest low within a matter of a few hours, and that emotional stability um, is so integral in order to build a business. Also, not comparing your journey to other people. Um, I, I did learn that early on, where you know I was comparing, and it's very natural as humans to compare. Um, oh, I should be further along, or or, or uh, I, I, why am I not doing this? Um, and really block out that noise, even competitive noise. I hardly um, and the. the Business school would have taught me the exact opposite, but intuitively, I feel um, that that kind of comparison uh, most of the time does more harm than good. So um, this business is in, led by intuition, yes, by numbers too. It's not just intuition, but it's a, a fine balance of both and really trusting my gut when um, something feels right, uh, whether it's a, a new partnership or um, a new opportunity or even building out the space. Uh, versus comparing to other others' journeys, because if I had gone that way, I would have really seeked a, a co-packer and maybe even brought my products offshore. And I I know in my heart that that wasn't the right direction for my business. So yeah, it's 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 a lot of things, but it starts with the the self and being in in that strong position uh, personally to not take things uh, too personally and being resilient uh, during uh, during the tough times. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I think, I think, again, a lot of people can relate to that. And what's the saying? Uh, comparison is the thief of joy. And I think that, yeah, just comparing to other people, you're all at different stages. And I think that really can take away. So I think that that's a great attitude to have towards it. And you mentioned too, that entrepreneurship is definitely a roller coaster and there is those highs, but there's also those lows. And what are some of the challenges that you've really had to face, you know, regarding catalyzing innovation and really growing your business? For sure. Um, from an innovation perspective, I thankfully haven't had any challenges because uh, I'm always thinking of new ideas, new products to launch. I actually have to hold myself back because I have four products right now and I want to launch more, but I, I'm sticking to the four. Um, so that the, the innovation element hasn't been too, too challenging. Um, the biggest challenge in my business is uh, capital. I'll be honest, it's, it's capital. And um, the lack of support, the lack of government funding, uh, the lack of grants for uh, small businesses. Like once you're larger, there's tons of capital out there. People are pouring, you know, um, cash over to you so that you can grow your business. But at the initial stages, it is 
so incredibly difficult. Thankfully, I've you know built a great relationship with my bank, BMO. So I'll, I'll, I'll give them a shout out because they've been amazing. So they've been helpful. BDC has helped as well, but these are all loans, and um, and because my business is at its initial stages, it's tied personally liable to these loans too. So I, I unfortunately haven't seen um, that kind of support um, from a government perspective uh, towards the innovation and supporting. Uh, entrepreneurs uh, building businesses out of scratch, and it's not, you know, generational or company. It's not being passed down from my, you know, um, from from my parents or my grandparents. Like this is something that I'm building. The child of an immig- of immigrants building something out of nothing, and uh, it's challenging. So I had to work those 10, 15 years in corporate and saved in order to be able to launch this business because. If you're going to go about this alone, um, a food business, um, it is it is very very costly to do it unless there's investors, of course. But I did not I did not want to go down that road. I I wanted to do it on my own. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, I'm sure a lot of people can can relate to some of those challenges. And one of the other things you mentioned earlier too was getting into restaurants and getting into stores. And do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience with this? Absolutely. Um, thankfully, it has a lot of it has been organic, um, where you know we do shows and events, and uh, customers would go to retail stores and mention our products, and then we would get emails from uh, these these restaurants or sorry these retailers at first because we weren't in food service, and that's really how it started. And we were self-distributing at the start. And we still have a few customers that we work direct with uh, before uh, starting to work with a distributor. And then with the distributor support too, you get into more more retailers because they have exposure to you because you're part of their catalog of products. Uh, But initially it was, a lot of it was organic where we were being reached out by these these retailers. I did run some ads and I still do uh, run ads and those were helpful too because a lot of buyers were seeing the ads and uh, were reaching out to us because they wanted to, to carry a product so uh, we never were pushy um, we never not that there's anything wrong with that but we were so busy in the kitchen making the product trying to figure out what it is that we were doing to be quite honest that we weren't we weren't focused on selling but now we're in a different kind of position where uh, my brother, he joined full time. He left his uh, corporate job as well to support um, uh, the venture. And uh, he's been managing uh, the sales aspect. Um, food service, uh, that, again, that was organic too. And once you get into one restaurant, you can sort of name drop that restaurant when you're talking to other restaurants. And um, that's been that's been a lot of fun. So, uh, for example, Il Fornello uses our uh, vegan cheeses across their uh, better restaurants for their uh, plant-based pizzas. Um, we recently, a few months ago, got into Scotiabank Arena where they're using our cheese curds for uh, events. Uh, so um, our product is unique too because there's not a lot of, or I should say there's really nothing like our cheese curds on the market, the plant-based cheese curds. So that's been a lot of fun. We work with a bunch of food trucks and that's been that's been interesting too. But we're always open to you know new opportunities. We're very flexible, um, and uh, we treat customers like family. To be quite frank, and uh, it, we, we we love forming that kind of 
special bond where it's, you know, if there's an issue, pick up the phone, have a conversation. Um, we treat others the way we want to be treated. That's really what we stand by. So it's been, it's been great. It's been, again, very natural, the, the growth of the business. Mm-hmm. That's well, it's definitely great to hear. And I think that, yeah, that, that approach about, you know, just treating others the way you want to be treated, I think is so important for any business owner. And you had mentioned, you know, this was your sort of first leap into the food business. And, you know, even over this past four years, what are some of those trends, you know, or changes you've seen in the market in terms of health food over this, or, you know, maybe even that you see some coming in the future? Yeah, it's definitely been a growing trend, and we could—I think—we could all see that um, compared to even ten years ago, um, where the conversation is around eating healthy food, but not just healthy food, tasty food. So it's uh, not, not compromising on uh, taste, flavor, texture. Um, when you give up on, you know, the junk food or even let's say non-plant-based foods. And uh, that's a trend that we're we're seeing where it's healthy, it's it's plant based, um, but it's also uh, as tasty, if not tastier, than the quote unquote unhealthier alternative. So that's that's definitely a growing trend that we're seeing across generations, whether it's you know the younger millennials or like my parents who are you know their late sixties, early seventies, where um, they are deciding due to health reasons or whatever their um, whether it's health, environment, uh, ethical, animal, um, uh, welfare related, making those choices. And um, yeah, it's, 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 it's all over where it's not just uh, one segment of the population. It's, it, it, it sort of scatters uh, across the board. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think, I think that, yeah, like you said, I think we're going to continue to see that. And so it's great that you have that option where you are able to give sort of the best of both worlds there. Um, and, you know, you, t- you mentioned too, you know, you've been getting into restaurants and retail stores and where do you see sort of the future of veg cheese going? What are some of those um, goals? You know, are you looking to get into other countries? Is there other expansion? Um, can you tell us a little bit about your future plans? For sure. Um, I, I get really excited about this because I want us to be everywhere tomorrow, but I need to you know, grab myself back <laughs> to reality where you know that's, that's not possible and that's not strategic. So I, I want us to be brilliant at what we're doing here locally in our own home. So uh, our focus right now is Ontario and, and, and entering into the Quebec market or growing in the Quebec market and across Canada. And once we're uh, brilliant in our own home country, um, enter the U.S. market, which I think is a huge opportunity for for us. And we get emails um, on the regular from from Americans wanting our products to be shipped or uh, be sold in their local stores, but we're just not quite there yet. But uh, that's what we're working towards. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm definitely excited to to see all of that that is to come. And you know, while we're speaking that uh, about you as well, um, you know, the Canadian U.S. Power Panel Program is all about building networks. And I know that you mentioned, you know, before you didn't really have that community for in the entrepreneurial space. And so, can you tell us a little bit about you know how building this network throughout your business journey has really affected your business overall? Oh, absolutely. That network has been integral, not only for the growth of the business, but uh, for my own mental health, 
I, I think if, if the, if the founder, the, the CEO is not healthy mentally, the business is not healthy. So that is number one. And having those difficult conversations with fellow entrepreneurs in the food space has been um, so therapeutic for me where um, I, I know who to call when, you know, I'm having a distribution issue or ship or whatever, uh, ingredient sourcing. There's so many issues that um, happen on a daily basis that I have to work through. And, you know, a lot of it I can manage on my own and with the support of my family slash my team, who's also my team. Uh, but also knowing that, you know, I have, uh, you know, my lifelines out there that I can reach out to and they can reach out to me when there's any sort of issues that they have uh, that they want to talk through. So um, it, it is so important, especially since my immediate friends, like I mentioned, they're not in this in, in the space. And um, often, you know, I find that, you know, when whenever I do go out for dinner with them or we do catch up, um, I, I can't really explain to them everything or I, I'm not sure they grasp this and you know I wouldn't have either if I wasn't working in it. Uh, so I, I I I need and we all need um, that that support system, the networking, um, and there's so many people out there. And this is what I realized where I did not think this existed, where people would willingly just help you uh, without expecting anything in return. And I've had so many angels all over helping when I, I needed that kind of support and. Um, yeah, and it's been it's been incredible. Without that, I, I I don't think I would have been able to bring the company where it is right now for sure. Yes, definitely. I definitely agree. And I think you know people in the entrepreneurial space or business owners, I find are always like you said, willing to help each other because no one got to where they are today without someone else helping them. And so it's great to have that supportive community around you. And do you have any tips for anyone looking to find that community? Because it can be you know, confusing coming into this new business world as a, as a first-time business owner. And so do you have any tips on you know, making those connections online or now that we're able to get together in person too offline as well? Yeah, absolutely. There's a number of different ways. Um, there's uh, you know, depending on the area, whether it's tech, it's food, um, whatever space that the entrepreneur is building their business in, uh, joining uh, an innovation hub or an accelerator. So I um, am part, and I'm still part, I'm an alumnus now of the Innovation Wealth Program. And uh, I met a lot of wonderful entrepreneurs through that program. I also met, you know, um, entrepreneurs in the commercial kitchens that I worked in. So always be willing to have those conversations. You know, you see someone working on a project, start a conversation, ask them questions. And it's really to build uh, a connection more than trying to get something out of them. It's expanding your, your network and expanding your circle. And I've made uh, so many uh, friends through those types of discussions. And are in the kitchen. Um, and that was, you know, not something that I thought of would have been a, the best way to, to network. Also LinkedIn, I don't use it too, too often, but I've seen a lot of success with my fellow entrepreneur friends where they, they post, they share, and that's a great way to, to have conversations and make connections and even asking for five, 10 minutes of someone's time to pick their brain. Um, the likelihood of them saying no is, is, is um, not too high. So uh, there, and we're just so blessed. We're so connected right now. Um, and uh, even after, through the pandemic, we've, I've just seen so many groups of, of entrepreneurs coming together, having video chat, 
So there's tons of ways to, to make those types of connections. Yes, absolutely. And and like you said before, I think that, you know, you never know where that connection is going to end up, but really it starts with just building the relationship. And so I think, yeah, having that supportive community is so important in entrepreneurship or really in any industry in whole. And, you know, one of the sort of themes around 2022 is, you know, how can we build back better? And so how do you sort of, you know, plan or how can we all build back better in 2022 and beyond? For sure. It's, um, it's been a challenging last uh, two plus years and the challenges are, uh, have not ended. Um, there's um, uh, issues with supply, supply chain. Uh, there's price increases, significant price increases across the board. So we're entering um, even further challenging uh, times and building back better is, is quite important in terms of uh, ensuring that the business is sturdy uh, to be able to withstand these types of challenges in the future. So um, making sure that we are thinking of um, what our worst days are going to look like. What if our costs double? What if our costs triple? What can we cut in other areas? So preparing for the rainy days that are ahead. I think that's very, very important. Um, I know it sounds a little bit dark and, and a little um, uh, not as optimistic um, uh, the, because that's that's the vibe that we're also seeing in in, in the space. Um, and and really be aggressive with our growth um, as we're tackling the challenges that we're we're faced with because. When the bit any business um, surviving these difficult times are going to be some of the strongest businesses, so that really is what gives me fuel to my fire. Where I'm like, okay, you know what? We've survived the pandemic. Actually, we grew during the pandemic. We built a facility. We are still growing. Okay, now it's economic turmoil. How do we um, how do we manage that? And once we we get out of that. Um, it, it really, it's gonna, it's gonna feel, it's gonna, I feel like it's gonna be uh, great and the business is gonna flourish even more. So just preparing for the tougher times ahead and hopefully they're not as tough as I personally think, but, uh, we're seeing, you know, our, our price of coconut oil has almost doubled in the last year. Soy milk's increased, like everything, packaging, shipping, distribution, like across the board. And we don't want to increase our prices because we want our products to be accessible, um, so what do we do? So we need to come up with creative solutions to, to reduce costs, costs elsewhere. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I think that's, that's definitely great advice. And, you know, like you said, preparing for those worst situations, and then, you know, that you can really survive anything. And, you know, like you said, you'll come out stronger in the end. And if you had any advice for someone who is maybe just starting out their business, or maybe something you would have told yourself, you know, back when you were making that decision for, you know, starting up the co- company with your family, what sort of advice would you give at that moment? For sure. If if I can go back and and, uh, talk to myself, I would tell myself to have conversations and network um, at the early stage of my business. So um, reaching out to entrepreneurs who have gone uh, down a similar uh, journey that I wouldn't wanted to go down and and have uh, questions ready and uh, pick their brain um, because I did not do that. I really just went about it alone. I was me and Google and I did not reach out 
to anyone for the first year, year and a half. Um, and when I was dealing with certain um, challenges, that's when I thought, you know, I need to work with a consultant. I need to work with um, industry experts and I need to have conversations with other entrepreneurs who are 10, 20, 30 steps ahead of me. So um, don't be afraid to reach out. Um, the worst answer you can get is no. So it's, 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 uh, it's something that I would definitely change if I were to go back because I would have probably made um, certain decisions a little bit differently. Um, and I think it's important to have those conversations. Yes, absolutely. I definitely agree. And I think like you said before, just having that community you can go to is so important. And you mentioned before too, you know, the roller coaster of the highs and the lows. And is there sort of one big high or up moment that you've had that was almost like a pinch me moment of your business? Yes. And it just happened a couple of weeks ago. And I can't fully disclose who the customer is, but we got into a major retailer uh, and we're launching this summer. And I just could not believe it you know just looking back to where we started um and if you had told me you know five years ago that this would be my life and i you know i'd have a product built out of nothing have my family involved in making this product after such an awful situation with my father and now he's heading up our you know production and he's involved with the business and um and now we're going to be in this major retailer um i i i would not believe you so it's it's uh it's I still need to pinch myself I, I it just comes you know during the hard uh, you know days or moments I just remember on those wonderful um wonderful wins and this is the most recent major win that's uh that's really really exciting that, that's incredible. And I can't wait to find out more and sort of see that all come together. And, you know, speaking of that, where can our listeners go to learn more about veg cheese or try it um, and just, you know, find out more about your business? Absolutely. So our website, vegcheese.com, um, you'll see all of our products, uh, nutritional information and uh, retailers and restaurants carrying our products. And you can also order it online on vegcheese.com. Instagram also um, at VegCheese and Facebook slash VegCheese. Uh, we're quite active on, on Instagram specifically. Um, we'll hopefully be on, we have a TikTok page, but I'm, <laughs> I, I need to start <laughs> figuring that out and uh, hopefully we'll be active on there soon. Uh, but yeah, it's mainly our website and, and Instagram and you can send us a direct message if you have any questions or an email and uh, we'd be more than happy to, to help. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me here today, Lori. And I'm so excited to see all that's to come with the business and, and everything that's to come um, with Veg Cheese. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Thank you, Sarah. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for tuning in to Made It Happen Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please feel free to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. And thanks again for all your support. I'll see you next week.